this week's Torah portion, the parasha, is Tazria Mitzora. Tazria Mitzora is mostly dealing with the affliction that we call Tsaras, mistranslated as leprosy, but I'm just using that word so that we remember what the topic is. Okay, and this is a uh, often spoken about, well-known story of this person, this individual who finds themselves with some sort of something on their skin. Is it a rash? Is it it's hard? There's a lot of descriptions about it. And it's not necessarily even on their skin. It could be on their home or an item that they have. And they go through the process of showing this to the Kohen, to the priest of the time. And the Kohen and only the Kohen has the ability to make the call whether it is or is not the tsara'as, machla, the disease or the affliction of tsara'as as Hashem gives it out. And there's a process by which they determine this. And there's a lot of details in how it has to look and how it has to change. But it starts by him seeing it. And if he can't tell right away, then the individual goes into quarantine for seven days. And if he still can't tell, they go into quarantine for another seven days. Now, right off the bat, the second I saw talking about anything about quarantine, you can imagine it was all like, oh my goodness, our life. I'm going to let all of us as individuals apply what we will from what we talk about today to our current situation, whether it does apply, doesn't apply. I'm going to leave that as food for thought for every one of us. But it certainly is interesting to talk about this topic uh, in the time that we are in, where we all feel a little bit some of the quarantine process. Uh, and we're going to see how that played out for this individual with their affliction and what they were meant to do with that quarantine time. But the reason why this topic is so meaningful, where the Nesiva Shalom is going to take us, and of course he's going to ask what does this affliction mean to us nowadays? How does this translate itself in terms of service of God? Because we don't have Taras in its physical form. But the Torah is eternal. What does this mean to me today as I try and connect to Hashem? And the reason why that question is so pressing, of course we always ask that question, but the reason why this story and this individual and journey of the afflicted person and their attempt to heal is so relevant to us right now is because where we stand in the year and where we stand in the year and where we stand in the parsha are really going to come together today. And where do we stand in the year? We just finished Pesach. And after Pesach, and it really begins already the second day of Pesach, we begin a process of Svirus Omer, counting, counting towards Sinai to getting the Torah, which we will have on the 50th day, after 49 days, 49 complete days of counting. And all of our tzaddikim and svarim, our great books, tell us that if you think about it, What's going on here? There's a process to get to Sinai. We're getting ready for Sinai. Didn't we just come out of Egypt? Didn't we just have the mind-blowing experience 
of the splitting of the sea? Weren't we all just gifted with prophecy from the oldest to the youngest singing a song of eternal meaning towards God? I mean, if that's not ready, I don't know what is. We are ready. And all of them say in unison that no, that is not ready. Because what happened in our initial exit out of Egypt was exactly what we called it. It was a gift. It was a gift. We were slingshotted to a a place and a level that we weren't really on. That type of free, gifted experience, while unbelievable for what it is, ultimately does not have longevity to it. It's not really a change in who we are. It's not a permanent shift in our being. And therefore, immediately after, we still have a process to get to Sinai, to get to the Torah, to become the Jews that we're trying to be. That process is a process of hard work, of grit and toil, of making ourselves something one brick at a time and one day at a time until we're there at the foot of the mountain. And that's where we are in the calendar. We just had an unbelievable exodus. Thank Hashem that he gives us that. What a gift. And now we're ready for the real work. And the real work begins with effort and analysis of ourselves. And therefore, it's an unbelievable time to hear what the Nisim Shalom is going to tell us. And as well as it's going to be a, a reflective, a very reflective type of lesson that I hope that we could take and all of us as individuals do something with in our own lives. But this is the time of year to make that happen. This is what Svirah Saomer counting these days is all about. So the Nesiv Shalom tells us, unbelievable, so simple, one little point he points out to us. He says, if you'll look in the Chumash, and you'll see that this is called an affliction of Tzara'as, Nega Tzara'as. You look right there in the beginning of Tazria, 13th chapter, you'll see it in verse 2. Right there it's called a negatzeras. But if you'll slide over to the side of your Chumash, you'll see something called Unklis. Unklis is an Aramaic translation, which comes all the way from Sinai, actually. An Aramaic translation of the word. And you know how you say tzara'as, leprosy, in Aramaic? It says it's a machtash, it's an affliction, segiru. Sigiru is the word. Simply, you just say Sigiru means Saras. It's all the same stuff. Yes, but Sigiru has a root to it which has another meaning. Why is it called Sigiru? Sigiru means closed off. Locked down. Shut down. Sagur means to close. Close the door. Sagur tadelet. Close the door. Sagur means it's shut, it's, it's locked. 
It's closed. It's closed. And says the Nesiv Shalom what Unklis is telling us. And he supports us with a Zayar that I'm going to tell you. Is that there is a spiritual ailment. Because Tsaras is not a physical ailment. It's just displayed physically so that you're aware of it. But really, what's going on here is a spiritual ailment which is relevant to everybody every time, even if they don't have the physical Tsaras anymore. But we still can learn something from the spiritual element of it. What is it? He says it's a disease. It's a sickness, a spiritual malady called what? Called closed off. Shut down. Closed. The door is closed. Closed. What does it mean? Says, says the Zoyar. This is what the Nesiv Shalom says. That the Zoyar says that what it means is it's Segiru Sorgur Befonov Toiva Elyon. The individual who has this spiritual problem, difficulty, the beautiful goodness lofty goodness of spirituality, of godliness, the shari oira, the gates of light, sogor, they're closed. They're closed. This individual isn't receiving them. They're not getting them. Then the says, we see this, David HaMelech in Tehillim, 142, he says, Hashem, please extricate me from maskir nafshi, the closing of my soul. What does that mean, says the Nesiv Shalom? He says that a person can be shut down, that their heart is closed, their feelings are closed, their mind is closed. He says, because really, a Jew should be able to a Jew has the potential to feel and be passionate from everything that's holy, to feel alive and vibrant, to feel the greatness of a moment, to feel the greatness of a mitzvah, to feel the greatness of Hashem's presence. Like the Balatanya says, Hashem fills every room. Isn't that your whole dream to be with Hashem? But He's right there. He fills the room. You're right there with Him. Why are we not dancing for joy from this? Ah. Maskir nafshi. The heart is closed. Something's locked down. Yisif Shalom says, that's what David HaMelech was davening for. Hashem, take me out of that. I want to be able to feel, I want to be able to feel a Shabbos, a Yom Tiv. I want to be able to feel the beauty of a good old Tuesday. I want to be able to feel the richness and the wealth that is the holiness that's present all the time. So Sensei Shalom is telling us that there's an affliction, an affliction called a closed heart. Hearts that are closed. Hearts that are shutting out an experience that are not feeling and not receiving something.
I think we can all relate to that. But I think that we have to do better than relate to it. I think we need to ask ourselves some questions, which I don't think anybody else is going to have the answer for. But before we ask those questions, I want to point out something very interesting. Because although this sounds pretty bad, oh man, shut down, shut out. The gates of light are, are there and, and I'm not feeling it. Firstly, we're in good company. David HaMelech, King David, asked to get out of this. So that means this is something we're all going to wrestle with. Every one of us is going to wrestle with the idea of getting our hearts to come alive. And maybe we had a good moment and a good week, but we'll find ourselves in a place where we go dead. Maskirnafshi, we feel shut down. It's closed. Negatsaras, the affliction of being closed. We're going to find ourselves there. David HaMelech found himself there. And he daven to Hashem. You go, he's daven to Hashem. So the first thing is that we're in good company. So if you ever think you're on the wrong train, because I'm not feeling anything, I must be on the wrong train. No, you're exactly on the right train. That's exactly the way a thriving Jew feels. And then we do something about it. So the first comfort is we're not alone. Great people dealt with this, and great people deal with this all the time. The second thing, which inspired me, is closed, closed. What an interesting way to refer to it. What an interesting way to refer to the difficulty that I'm grappling with, that my heart is closed. Because, let me give you an example. If I tell you that I want you to play a beautiful song on the violin, you're going to say, hey, Rabbi, I don't know how to play the violin. So I said, oh, we got to play a beautiful song on the violin. You can say, you could say that all day, but I don't know how to play the violin. That's a daunting task to imagine having to learn to play the violin. But let's say I tell you, you know, there's a gorgeous violin playing over there. I want you to go hear it. I know you have your headphones in. Maybe your earmuffs are on. Take them off for a second. I really want you to hear this person is playing stunning music. That's much more doable. The music is there. I just, it's not getting through to me. But I don't need to invent the music. I don't need to make it sparkle. I don't need to make something amazing. The amazingness of life, the beauty of spirituality, the great holiness that exists in the world, Hashem has put it here in abundance. It's palpable. The only problem, and I don't mean to belittle it, we're all struggling with it, is that our hearts are closed. But we don't need to invent the greatness of the moment. We just need to figure out how to open our hearts so we could feel it, so we could be there, we can experience it. And that to me is comforting because I think that is possible to do. If you wanted me to make something holy, I don't know if I could do that. I'm no magician. But if you tell me that Hashem has made these moments so holy that there's a gate of light that is shining forth, 
There's toiv ha'elyoin, like the Zayar says. Unbelievable goodness. Spiritual riches. Which are available for a person to tap into. And I have a problem called my heart is shut. Okay. Now we could talk. Maybe I could get rid of the block. And then see all of that beauty that you're telling me is there. To me, that's comforting as we tackle this, as we go through Spirit of and we say, let's become something more to know that Hashem is doing so, so much. That the world really is a spiritual place. That the goodness is here. We don't need to discover it. We really just need to discover ourselves. If we can discover ourselves, then we'll be able to tap into the experience that Hashem already put here. So to me, both those things that David HaMelech needed to daven for this, and that really so much is there, and when we'll manage to open up, all of it will come pouring in, that's going to be, that's, that's comfort, and that's encouraging to me, that this is doable. We can have something amazing if we grow. But at the same time, I think we need to ask ourselves important questions, which I'm not going to answer. Because closed means that there is something there, but we're not enjoying it. Closed means that we've shut something out. You see, open just means you're there. Closed means you turned away. And I think a question that we have to ask ourselves, if we're taking this seriously, if we're taking what the Nesiva Shalom is saying seriously, that we may have this. That this is what every Jew needs to grapple. Why is it that we're not letting ourselves be available for the experience? What is causing our hearts, our minds, our feelings to shut down? You know, it's like somebody's in a bad mood and you try and show them something funny. It's, they don't find it funny. It's not that the comedian isn't funny. The comedian is funny. But that person, they're shut down. Their hearts are closed. They're not open to comedy. Why? What's closing our hearts to such beauty that Hashem has put into the world, into his mitzvahs, into Torah, into Judaism? Perhaps there's something about our life that results in a closed heart. We need to think about that. Perhaps we're directly closing our hearts. Perhaps it's not a spiritual symptom of something else, but it's actually exactly what we're doing is shutting our hearts down. You know, like there are certain people that you notice in a relationship, they never really get into a deep relationship. They never allow themselves to get emotionally entangled with another person that much. They're always reserving. They're always keeping their heart closed and tucked away. Why? I don't know. We theorize. We theorize. Are they protecting themselves? Are they afraid of something? 
I think we should ask the same question to ourselves. Sometimes we're closing ourselves off from Hashem. We don't want to get that involved, that emotionally invested. We don't want to fall in love or to get excited about a mitzvah. We just don't. We don't allow ourselves to go there. We shut our heart down. We make it business-like. Why? Are we afraid? Are we afraid to be involved with Hashem? Are we afraid of what that may ask of us, where that may take us? I'm not giving answers. I'm asking questions, questions on myself. Why am I not opening up? Or what's making me not open up? Two different questions, both extremely important. The beauty is here. Why am I not accessing it? Perhaps there are things I'm doing throughout my day which put me in a different frame of mind and make me not connect when I come to connect. I need to figure that out. Or maybe when I come to connect, I don't let myself connect because I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid to be genuine. I'm afraid to be vulnerable. I'm afraid to have to do more of this. If I get invested, I don't know. Every one of us should ask that question. And when we ask those questions, we're tackling this affliction head on. The affliction of a closed heart. We're missing something. But you know what? If I told you that you don't know how to play the violin, it wouldn't break your heart. But if I told you that there's an unbelievable symphony playing, don't you hear it? And you'll be like, I don't hear anything. I say, what do you mean it's beautiful? Don't you hear it? You'll be like, I don't know. I don't hear anything. What's going on? What's wrong with me? To know that we're missing something beautiful that's actually happening is heartbreaking. And it should pull us and stir us. There is something beautiful happening. And sometimes we get glimpses, sometimes we get a lot of it, but sometimes we miss it, and every one of those moments we miss is to miss something stunning. And therefore, this is the time. Let's tackle this. Why are our hearts closed? Why is this not lighting up as much as it can? This is the time to work on it. I want to tell you something unbelievable. There's a Mishnah. There is a Mishnah in Pirkei Avais. That Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai asked his students to go find what is the path, the path of goodness that one should connect themselves to. And they went out and they all came back, you know, they went out to analyze it and they came back with different answers. Rabbi Eliezer came and he said, it's a good eye. Rabbi Yeshua said, it's a good friend. Rabbi Yossi said, it's a good neighbor. Rabbi Shimon said, it's seeing the, the consequence of our actions. Oh, everyone's got it. But Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Lazar came with an answer. An answer that Rebbe Yechonim ben Zakkai said, your answer is the answer. Because your answer includes everything else. It's the best answer. He says, do you know what it is? Lev toiv. It's a good heart. It's a good heart. And the Bnei Yisoscho says, unbelievable. If you look it up, his piece on Lag Ba'imer, listen to what he says. He says that Sphira Sa'imer is how many days? 49. The exact numerical value of Lev Toiv, a good heart, 
is 49. That the process of Spirit Omer is to reclaim our heart. Is to open up our hearts that have grown cold, that have closed off. We've shut Hashem out for some reason. Something, something is not letting all that light in. We got to open our heart. Remember Rebbe Kiva. He went to go learn and it wasn't going in. But when he left, he saw that water dripping on the rock and he said, wait a minute. If the water could drill a hole in a rock, the Torah could drill a hole in my heart. We can open up. Great people have had closed hearts, but we know that it can open. We know it can open. And the Torah, the Torah is a big aid to that. I want to talk about that in one second. So the 49 days of Sphere's Omer are lev toiv. Work on our heart. Open our heart. Become what the Piasesner calls a ishhergeshi, somebody who feels, somebody who's present enough in an experience so that it goes in, so they see it for all the beauty that it is. It's very interesting because really, the Bnei Yisachar says that Sphere's Omer is divided into two halves. You know Lagba Omer, everyone goes and builds a bonfire, it's a big celebration. Lagba Omer is how many days of Sphira did we just complete when we get up to Lag? We just completed Lamed Bey's days, 32. Lamed Bey's spells what? Lave, the heart. And then the rest of the days of Sphira are the numerical value of Tov, good. So altogether you get the good heart. But that the first part of Sphira is just the word lave, and then the second half is tov. The Bnei Sashra points this out, but what does that mean? And I'll tell you what I think it might mean. Uh, this is just me. So take it for what it's worth, which is about nothing. But my thoughts, they mean something to me. Before you could work on a good heart, Before we can work on a good heart, we have to work on just a heart. We need to have a heart. We need to make sure that we are feeling sensitive, present human beings in everything. That our heart is resuscitated enough to feel. Then we could talk about making it good. But first it has to be alive. There's a letter from the Moranaim, and I don't know if it's a real letter. There's questions on it. But he writes to his children. He says, we need to gather together so that we can change our lave Evan into a lave Basar, so that we could change our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. Like I said, the greatest of the great. Because you can always, always develop a greater heart, a more sensitive, more feeling, more aware, present heart. And so everyone is trying to climb that ladder. But that's the idea. We need a heart first. If we have a heart of stone, no, we need a heart. What is shutting down our heart, drying out our heart? What's causing that to happen? Every one of us needs to reflect upon that in our own lives.
Is it something we're doing throughout our day, choices we're making? Or are we directly trying to stifle it? Or have we just drifted? And this brings us to the next point that the Nesiva Shalom makes, which is going to connect to our point that we began about Rabbi Akiva and Torah. What does this individual do? The individual is prescribed by the Torah that they go and they show their affliction to a Kohen. They go to a Kohen. And the Kohen goes and assesses it and then tells them that they should go into quarantine, so on and so forth. What does that mean for every individual? Says the Nesiv Shalom. And it's true that we have this affliction. Yeah, you know what? We're made imperfect. And I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. There's nothing sad about having flaws. That's what we're here for. To find the flaw is a beautiful thing. So this is true. We have this problem. But the Torah and Hashem is always right away giving a solution to a person. Is always trying to help a person get to the next level. Here is the problem. Here's how you emerge from it. How do you emerge from it? Go to a kind. What does that mean? Says the Nesiva Shalom, and this struck such a chord with me where we are right now in our state of quarantine. The Kohen is the Tzaddik, the great individual that is able to help a person to reconnect, to reconnect with their Judaism, to reconnect with that feeling and that passion and that meaning in that which they do. The heart is closed. Okay, you know what you do? Connect to somebody that can reconnect you. You don't have to carry it on your own. We're not lone soldiers. We have unbelievable people and we have unbelievable resources that Hashem has given us. Connect to the Kohen. Connect to the people that are able to resuscitate and give meaning and perspective back into that which we do, which has gone cold. And it's unbelievable because you know what? When you're in that position that you don't feel it, you think it just doesn't feel. It, it, it doesn't work for me. But how often when you walk out into a different setting, when you show up at shul and then you hear them singing or davening, when you see somebody else talking with passion or celebrating Shabbos and they're glowing, how quickly does that change the way we feel about the thing we're doing? My grandfather, in fact, said that you know why the Hasidim took over so much of Europe? He said, because the way they taught was not by teaching. It was by showing. They would show up in a town and they would just let people watch them live. And a thousand classes, but you know what? When you see one person glowing on Shabbos, radiating when they do a mitzvah, talking about Hashem like he's their best friend, that changes everything. And therefore, the Torah is telling us 
make connections with people and substances which can help open your heart. You don't have to crack it open alone. Find that Kohen, find that Sadiq. And every one of us should know that this person and every one of us in the experience that we're having right now, I find it very interesting. Everyone in their life has so many connections, so many connections. It almost becomes overwhelming. And in this experience, a lot of our connections have been shut down. They don't fill as much of our life as they used to or take as much attention as they used to. And perhaps, perhaps, we're all being gifted an opportunity like this individual in the Torah, which is to start to make conscious decisions. What do we want to connect to? Who do we want to connect to? What connections can help us grow and become something more? What friends can inspire us? Not just when we're inspired, we can talk to them. No, when we're not inspired, but watching them, hearing them, being with them can help us reconnect when we've lost our footing. Who, what, where? It doesn't have to be live online resources. Oh my goodness, how many Torah classes are there? We never had time, but now that our connections have been limited, we have the opportunity to choose every one of the connections that we want to rebuild. Which connections do we want to continue or to create that we didn't have before? A chavrusa. Everyone could learn on the phone. Pick somebody. Pick somebody that you find that you would have a meaningful connection with and say, let's study. Let's study once a week. Because Every one of us could be a Kohen for the other person. Every Jew alone is very weak. But a Jew with a friend is very, very strong. Every one of us can be a Kohen for another person. Let us think. Who? Who could we call? Who could we say, let's connect, let's talk once a week, let's learn once a week? Online, what sheer can I join? Maybe from one of the shoals, maybe from the kolo. Where can I bring Torah? If a tzaddik, if a kohen, as an individual can influence us, of course the Torah. The Torah itself, like, like, like Rabbi Kiva said, for sure the, the Torah can open my heart. Where's our connection with Torah? If we have a closed heart, if we're afflicted like the Mitzorah, if we're afflicted with a closed heart, the place to go to open it is the Torah. Hashem already said, I created the evil inclination. But you think I left you unarmed? No. I created the antidote already. It's the Torah. We can't take the Torah lightly. The Torah is the greatest, single greatest radiating orb of holiness and godliness that exists in the world. If, if a water could blast open a rock, the Torah could shatter the shackles of our hearts and open us up. It can. Be patient. Maybe not in one moment. Not in the beginning. 
When our hearts are closed, we have to be ready that in the beginning it's not going to taste right away. But give it time. Give it time to open us up. Give it time and give ourselves time to become receptive to the beauty that we know is already there. And we're just not yet experiencing it fully. But with our Kohen, with our friend, with our rabbi, with our rub, with our person that we find inspiring, with our series of online classes or local classes, with all of these resources, with all of these choices, who do I connect with? Connections have been shut down. Now I could start from scratch. What do I want to connect with? That's what the Torah is saying. Connections can pull you out. They are the cure. How can I connect to the Torah? Because Torah, and this is an important point, if Tzvimai Zilberberg writes this in his Sefer, he said that we, even those of us who are learning Torah, a lot of times we have the wrong perspective on it. We view it as kulay revach. It's all profit. It's good. You know, I don't need it, but as much as I get is good. He said, that's not how we say it. We say it every, every Shabbos. What do we say? What are we singing? It's a tree of life for those who hold on to it. It's life itself. He says, if you had an opportunity to grab life, you'd say, ah, you know, as much as I get is all right. As much as I, as much as I can get, I'm going to grab. That's Torah. It's life itself. The Chedush Rim says a mushal, they write in the footnote in his Sefer, that he used to say this over and over and over again. It's very close to his heart, this, this parable. He said, It's a tree of life for those who grab onto it. He says, like somebody who falls overboard at sea. They quickly, they toss him a, a rope. And they say, just whatever you do, hold on to that rope. Don't let go. Not for love or money, don't let go of that rope. He says, that's what it means. It's the tree of life for those who grab onto it. Hold on to it. It's our lifeline. For love or money, don't let go of Torah. That's the way forward with Torah and with people who could learn Torah with us, teach us Torah, and inspire us in Torah. It's life itself. Because when our hearts are closed, when we don't see everything that life's all about, what Hashem is trying to gift us with, it's hard to say that we're even alive. But Hashem said, choose life. He didn't say choose good. He said, choose life. He's trying to offer us life. And all of us would love to experience that life. So we ask ourselves, why are our hearts closed? And what could we do to open it? And one of the great things we could do is rebuild the right connections. The right connections to the right people, and to the Torah. The Nesiva Shalom points out, he quotes it from one of his previous, earlier, Rebbeim, you may find the name here.
can't recall who it was. Oh, it was the base Avram. Quotes from the base Avram. A very, very powerful idea. So we see the difficulty, we see the task ahead of us, we see Sphere. So Omer is all about reclaiming our heart, opening our heart, getting our heart on the right page. And we see that the Kohen, the connection, the Torah, those things can help rejuvenate us, pull us out, and help us become great. That is another, another, another solution, another tool that we have at, at, at our disposal, another type of thinking that can help us. And it's an important one because it's, it's a type of thinking that I think a lot of times, especially when we're dealing with a difficulty, we don't go this route. And therefore, I think it's particularly powerful and important to point out. <clears throat> he says the, the Mitzorah comes to the Kohen. And if the Kohen can't determine what it is, or really even if they can, they say you have to go into quarantine for seven days. He says, why seven days? The reason why seven days is because it needs to have a Shabbos. That's what the Nesiv points out. It's not his own thought. But the reason why you need to be seven days is because you need to have Shabbos. What's, what's Shabbos? Why do I need to have Shabbos? And then it comes back and the Kohen will send him back sometimes for a second Shabbos. He says, one Shabbos. If one Shabbos wasn't enough, what do you get out of two Shabbosim? Why do we try to make them go through this Shabbos experience? What is the Shabbos experience for the Jew that we want this individual to have? And he points out, amazing, that there's one element of Shabbos, there's one element of Shabbos doesn't necessarily mean a day of the week, but a frame of mind of spiritual growth is an element of rising through thinking about what am I doing wrong? What's closing my heart, like we mentioned? And how do I stop it? How do I get rid of it? He says, but there's another type of Shabbos. He said, and in fact, the base of Rome said, this interpretation, listen to this beautiful interpretation. There's a medrash that says that Hashem told the Jewish people, I gave you Shabbos, it's a good thing. And the medrash says that Hashem was saying, perhaps you think Shabbos is, a ba- is bad for you. It's bad. It's really good. What? Who in their right mind would think Shabbos is bad? The base of Rome said, no, you misunderstood the medrash. Of course it's good. You might have thought Shabbos was all about the bad in you. Listen to this. That Shabbos, that growth, you get growth by thinking about just how to get rid of the bad in you. He said, no. Let me tell you the main point of Shabbos. The main perspective that a person needs to keep in mind to grow is so that you reconnect with the good in you. Not to get rid of the bad in you. Of course we try and get rid of the bad. But the main way forward is to recognize the good in you. 
so that you're radiated and you're filled with the light and the excitement and the passion and the energy of how good I am and how good I can be, how much potential I have inside of me. Says the Nesiv Shalom, that's the cure for the Mitzorah. Listen to this, this is so powerful. Our hearts are closed. We're closed off to Judaism. Judaism isn't. We could give it more. We could get more out of it. We could be more in it. Well, then we need to think, of course, if there are certain things that are bad, they may be stifling us. We got to think about that. But even more importantly, we need to think of what we can be. We need to recognize that it doesn't have to stay this way. That we can become something greater beyond what we can even imagine. That we are so great. We are so good in our essence. That the flaws are external really to our true self. We are a soul that is madly in love with Hashem. And we can become unbelievably awake and alive and profound and filled with love and awe of Hashem. And we can dance from recognizing He's in the room. We have that potential in us. That's the second Shabbos. That's the second element that we use to really get great growth. Not just to be thinking about getting rid of the bad. Let that go. You do it a little bit, but then you also need to think, how great am I? What can I be? I could be something amazing. Think about it. Hashem took us out of Egypt when we were on the lowest. Why? Because He saw what we can be. And in fact, in the calendar where we are, I mentioned that we're at the point where we got to do the work. Building it one day at a time. And I said that Kriya Siamsov, the splitting of the sea, is not going to last. You got to ask yourself, so then what was it doing there? What's it doing there to have a Kriya Siamsov? A moment of prophecy if it's not going to last. In a different context, I heard Shlomo Kabach say the following line. It struck a chord with me. He was quoting, I believe, from somebody. That before a person can become something, they need a vision of what they can become. You can't believe it. You can't believe it. What what type of heights are you talking about? What type of passion are you talking about? What type of life are you talking about living? Yeah, change. I, don't, I mean, you're talking about this as a fantasy. Every person needs a glimpse of the greatness of that of what they can become. It's not a permanent change. But we had to have the splitting of the sea. Perhaps I'm suggesting. Before we could begin the days of work. Because we first had to see what we can become. Yeah, it's not permanent. Of course it was taken away from us. But we needed the gift because who would have thought that you could go from being slaves in Egypt to Sinai? Who would believe you could do it? Who would believe you could swap out a stone heart 
for a heart of flesh and blood that feels and loves and connects. We had to have one flash, one moment, the splitting of the sea where Hashem just made it happen for us. And we said, wow, look at me. Did, did you see the way I looked? Did you see the way I was singing at the sea? Did you see the way I was pointing to Hashem and saying, this is my God, I will exalt Him? Did you see me doing that? Moshe Chaim, Shmiel, Sarah, Rivka. Did you all see me? Can you believe that was me? Can I believe that was me? Wow, there's more to me than I thought. There's more in me than I ever thought possible. Ah, now you're ready. Now get your hiking boots on. It's time to climb the mountain. You are ready. We are ready. Hashem showed us the vision. Whether we felt it or in our souls we felt it, but our souls have seen a vision of what they can become. Now we go through the days where we make it happen. But we got to use that tool. Remind ourselves. Think about it. Like the Mitzorah was told to do. Think about what you are. Think about how great you are. Think about how much Hashem loves you. Think about how much Hashem is waiting for you. Remember that greatness can be had. And then Hashem built these days to help us accomplish that. And He put people in our lives that we can use. And He put the great Torah in our life to give us life itself. Hashem is on our team. Remember what we can become and remember that everything is working for us and with us. That's how we march all the way to Sinai. You know, Amalek attacked us right after the sea. Amalek attacked us. And Rav Tzvi Meyer Zilberberg says, the spiritual Amalek, the Yitzhara, attacks us now. That after the high of Pesach, he tries to make us lose that experience and drag us into the mud. But it occurred to me that if the Yitzhara, if Amalek is waging this war to drag us down now, then you know what that means? It means he's afraid of something. He's afraid of what we could do with these days. He's afraid of what we can become. The Yetzirah doesn't want us to put him out of business. And he knows that this, this time we can. We, t- we could take a real shot at him. And so he comes to fight us, to make us go cold, to make us lose heart, to make us lose direction. And like the Pusik says, Chazal tell us, They slackened off in their Torah study. He tries to make us lose exactly those things that pull us out. Exactly those things that open our heart. He tried to make us lose them. What's he so afraid of? He's afraid of you and me. He's afraid of us. He's afraid of what we can become. And who did he attack? My brother of Yaakov Israel pointed this out. When I told him this first part, he added, Who did Amalek attack? 
They attacked the weakest Jews, the Jews that weren't even in the clouds of glory. They were spat out because they weren't on a high enough level. The weakest Jews they came to attack. Amalek, you represent the root of all evil. Why is it worth your time to attack the weakest Jews? The worst quote-unquote Jews. Because there is no worse Jew. The Jew on the bottom in a moment can be on the top. The greatness of the low Jew is a threat to Amalek. And he needed to fight. And what did all the rest of the Jews that were ensconced in the protection of the clouds of glory do? They came out to war. Why? Let those Jews, those Jews got spat out. Let them go. Let them go. They're the holiest of holies. We are the holiest of holies no matter where we are. Remember that to climb out of our shell. Let's remember that to peel the shell off our heart to know that we are more than that. Amalek knows it. Let's learn from our enemy. And when we go through this process, we always have to remember. We have to remember that sometimes exactly the process we're talking about right now is something we close our hearts off to. I don't know, oh man, he's making us reflect, think about problems, think about things that we did wrong, think about things that, that aren't feeling and how to reconnect it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to see those parts of myself. I don't want to see the problems. And I get it. I do. But we have to remember that seeing problems is not a problem. And in fact, you know what the Ramban says? Nachmanides says that you know why we don't have the physical affliction of Tzaras anymore? You ready for this? Because we're not great enough for it. Because having Hashem tap you on the shoulders and say, hey, something's wrong, that's the greatest gift in the world. You know how great you have to be to get Hashem to tell you when there's a problem? Because the worst thing in the world is to not see a problem. Life is about growth. That's what we're here for. To see the problems, the potholes, the bumps. That's what it is. It's a battlefield. We want to notice every enemy and then try and take them down. That's the glorious life that we live, the joy of the battle. To not see it as a tragedy. To see no problems. Oy. If you don't see any problems, call me quick. The Ramban says we're not great enough to have it. To, to have the physical representation on our skin. But of course, if we sit and we think and Hashem opens our eyes to see a problem, we should get up and dance. Hashem came, tapped me on the shoulder and He told me I have a problem. Oh, Bar- Baruch Hashem. I, uh, I'm, I'm like Nachmanity said, Ramban said, you have to be great for Hashem to let you see. Wow. Hashem let me see. What a bracha. Now I could get going. Now I could grow. Which is what life's all about. And in fact, the Yusoy Da'avoyda says that that's what the whole thing was about when they used to get the afflictions, the tzaras on the, on the houses. He says it's a rule that wherever the Jews go, the negativity and impurities of those places come out even stronger. 
You hear that? Where a Jew goes. So you think, oh, everything should be roses and beautiful, chirping birds. No. Where a Jew goes, Hashem makes it that the negativity and evil of the place that they go, the exile, the nation, wherever they go, it jumps out even stronger. Why? So that they could tackle it and fix it. And he says that's why the stones on their houses got stricken with tzaras. He says because some of those houses were built by people with very wrong intentions. And they put impurities into those houses. And so Hashem put tzaras on them so they'd be taken out. The impurity jumped out at the Jew. Oh, now I have to take my house down. Baruch Hashem, you get to take your house down. You would have been living with the impurity the whole time, but Hashem gave us a gift. He showed us the impurity. So now we can rip it out. Ah, until everything can be restored and fixed with our efforts. To be shown something wrong is the greatest gift in the world. Rebbe Nachman said, Chazal say that when they would tear out the stones of their house, they would find treasures that were hidden. Treasures that were hidden by the previous nations in those houses. He says, what does that mean? He says, in growth, it means that when you find a problem and affliction in yourself, problems, when you pick them up, under those problems are, are a treasure. It's a treasure to find a problem. And when you work on that problem, when you grapple with it, that's exactly where the treasure is. So let's not be afraid. Mr. Shasham says, be close to work. We need to be excited about work. In fact, in fact, I'll suggest, you know, my father always says, profound idea, he says, perhaps why did we need to be in Mitzrayim as slaves before we could go on to be the great people who get the Torah? And my, my father suggested perhaps there was something in Egypt, the experience of slavery, that we needed to utilize and apply to our Judaism. Unbelievable idea. My father suggested a certain element of subservience, having a master. We were able to then use that and apply that to Hashem. Hashem will serve you. But until then, we didn't know how to do that. From slavery, we learned what it means to devote ourselves And I'll add, perhaps we also needed to know what real work is, how much work we could do, how we could build cities, because you wouldn't believe it until you're pushed. But then we saw what we could do, and now we said, okay, but that was foolish. That was work for power. That was nothing. But now we're ready to apply that to Hashem. Hashem, what cities should we build for you? We're ready to work. Show us the problems. And we'll rip them out and find treasures underneath. Because every one of us needs to know that we are generals in an army. We are generals. And we always have a Pesach. We always have beautiful moments where we get to find respite in the palace of Hashem and enjoy. But always, always afterwards, there's an Amalek to fight. After Sinai, There's the golden calf. There's always a down after an up. And the reason why is because life is about being a general on the battlefield. That's what it is. And although we get to enjoy the palace 
if ultimately we would say, okay, we want to stay here forever, but, but then there's no general on the battlefield. No. Life is a battlefield. That's where we live. That's where we breathe. That's where we earn our stripes. That's where we gain our honor. It's on the battlefield of life. Ah, let it be written. May we merit to have written on our headstones. Here lies the heroic general. Their battle for the expansion of our great kingdom brought tremendous honor to our holy king. Ah, to have that on our headstone. That we went to battle for Hashem. That we went to battle to expand the kingdom of holiness and sanctity in the world. That we waged war to open the hearts of ourselves and those around us. That we weren't okay with the way it was. But we always were seeking higher ground. And that we fought for it. That it meant enough to fight for it. That we believed enough in ourselves that we thought we could do it if we fight for it. That we could gain another inch. Ah, to have that be our legacy would be beautiful. And therefore, on these days, as we emerge out of Pesach, Amolek comes, we're back in the mud, we're back in the battle. But that's the real beauty of life. And our hearts... Every one of us on our own level have a certain level of closeness to them. We all have an affliction of sagur, shut down. Shut down to holiness, shutting out beauty, richness, sensitivity. But Hashem is here with us. And He gave us these days of lave tov, 49 days of sphira, lave tov, to reclaim our heart. With our Kohen connections, let's build up our connections again. With whom and with what we believe will help us. Let us get our chavrusas. Let us get our right friends. Let us connect online or in person with the people we believe can inspire us. And let us connect above all to our Torah. Eitz Chaim He, the life itself. Let us grab it like we're grabbing life. And let us remember and always remember to not just focus on the bad that we need to get rid of, but to really focus on the greatness we have inside. The greatness we can become. Let us remember the vision we saw at the splitting of the sea. Let us remember the vision that Hashem sees every day when He wakes us up because He knows we can be something greater than we were the day before. That's why He woke us up today. Let us remember that vision and hear the calling to know that we are ready to go to battle for this because it can happen. And let us know and remember that to see a flaw is a blessing and a bracha from Hashem. That's an embrace from Hashem. When He shows us a flaw, it means He's saying, you can do it. Go get the treasure. And God willing, with all of that, we will be able to ride out into the battlefield of life. Filled with excitement, joy, exhilaration, knowing we could do it. And knowing that this is what it comes down to. So I end with this. My dear friends. Suit up soldiers. We have a war to win.
May Hashem help every one of us see success on that battlefield and joy in every moment of this holy work.